gals, non-binary pals, everybody who has ever listened to Normandy FM, and those who are brand new to this show, hello and welcome. It's time. <laughs> uh, there's really no better way to say it. We're going to start talking about Cyberpunk 2077 now, and we're going to continue doing it for the foreseeable future. Uh, at least until I believe a new year is upon us. Yep. Uh, Rough to 2022. This, I this, am... is, this is what you get. <laughs> I am one of your co-hosts here, Eric Van Allen, joined by Kenneth Shepard. Ken, how are you feeling on this most sanctimonious, most ceremonious of days? I'm feeling a lot of ways. This game makes me feel a lot of ways, so it feels natural to feel a multitude of ways right now as I ponder this game and ponder the next year of our lives. It's a Not lot. From like eight months or so. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing is we should set this up at the beginning because I imagine there might be some people jumping into the season who maybe haven't listened to our podcast before. We kind of do one of these resets every time we start a new game because we have noticed with every new season uh, we, we usually maintain a steady base of listeners, but there's always folks who join in for the first time because we're mm-hmm. playing a game that they really care about or that they're very interested in hearing about. Um, so for those of you who this is your first time in, maybe you're not familiar with who we are, what we do. We are Normandy FM. Uh, as you can tell from the name, we started as a Mass Effect retrospective podcast. We played through all of the Mass Effect games and kind of picked them apart in a book club dissection uh, to examine what those games are, how they held up, and this was even uh, before the Legendary Edition came mm. out. We were very ahead of our time in that respect. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we got through Mass Effect and decided we, we got enough out of it to keep going and, and go on to Dragon Age. Uh, we did all of Dragon Age and Jade Empire, uh, because we uh, had backer goals that basically got us there that, that said like, Hey, this is, you know, we want y'all to keep doing this. We want y'all to, to get there. Uh, and then after Jade empire, we had burned ourselves out a little bit on Bioware games, uh, wanted something different. So we went to the last of us. We did the last of us part one, the last of us part two. Uh, then we went to a game a series i should say that ken and i both have a very strong connection to much like mass effect did for us uh, we talked about final fantasy 10 so final fantasy 10 final fantasy 10 2 and uh other things that might have happened in the vicinity of final fantasy 10 and 10 2 <laughs> uh w- would have been the last episode you would have heard leading into this one if you're listening in sequential order uh, the interesting thing about all of that is that we've done a lot of games where both of us like them both of us had opinions on them but we wanted to kind of pose ourselves a challenge especially after final fantasy 10 that season was an incredible season and we're so thankful for for everybody who who came out and listened and we had so many new listeners so many new people jumping on thank you so much for for getting on board uh and and having fun on the final fantasy 10 adventure um but that was, barring <laughs> the most recent episode, <laughs> a very rosy uh, trip back through uh, memory lane and, and mm-hmm. what we love about games and all that. 
with cyberpunk i think we found a game that we're really going to have to push ourselves to really analyze and and pick apart and examine because i mean going into this i think ken and i can both say this is not our favorite game of all time uh not even in in the running (laughs) really (laughs) um it's a game that does interesting things it's a game that is interesting by nature and it is certainly a prominent game probably uh i guess last of us part two is probably also in the ballpark for the most uh like the most recent game we've covered you know like like Mm -hmm. time between the game releasing and us covering it Uh, this is probably about tied with with last of us part two give or take uh but even last of us part two did not have the discourse the buzz around it that side nothing has had Mm. around it what cyberpunk has had around it i i don't think it's unfair to say that cyberpunk is in some ways an anomaly (laughs) in uh in the games world and the games industry and there are many reasons for that uh but that's that's all to say that our, our goal with this podcast is not to just talk about how great a video game is or talk about how bad a video game is we're we're gonna really try to examine cyberpunk as the sum of its parts as by by taking it apart piece by piece by going uh session by session uh area by area uh in a book club style format to really really pick it apart we're bringing on lots of excellent guests to help us do that and to to augment the viewpoints that we bring and the critical mindset and tool set that we bring uh, to add to our repertoire and really, you know, not write the book on cyberpunk necessarily, but definitely to give it a thorough reading uh, is is kind of the intent. Uh, does that sound about right to you, Ken? Yeah, you gave people a nice summation of what Normandy FM is. If you're new here and you don't know what we do, mm-hmm. yeah, and if and if you're also new here and you like any of the games that we already talked about, feel free to go listen to those episodes too. They're always yeah. there. Yeah, we're on we're on the the podcatchers of your choice. Uh, you know, leave us a good review. Shoutouts to, <laughs> to those who do only five stars as always. But uh, it's I, I think cyberpunk is one that, as is tradition, we have our first episode. It's just Ken and I. We will be talking about an actual section of cyberpunk at some point. But we also want to talk about what cyberpunk twenty seventy seven is and what it was and where it came from and how it got there i think it's worth doing some tone setting and maybe some more than your usual amount of tone setting going into this season Mm. uh it is it is a let's say a fraught game Mm. (laughs) um so to start you know what is Cy- Webster's dictionary defines cyberpunk as, <laughs> um, but cyberpunk is, I think, a genre that is kind of both easy and hard to define, and I think mm. has morphed as the years have gone on. Is definitely become a, a genre that started out with punk roots. Uh, and you know we could easily just run down a reader's list of things like uh, Neuromancer and Snow Crash and Blade Runner and Ghost in the Shell and The Matrix and just keep going and going and going and all of them are cyberpunk in some way 
Uh, but really what cyberpunk tends to be defined as or tends to gravitate towards is not even necessarily just a dystopian future with shiny, uh, usually Asian letters on a billboard somewhere mm. because for some reason people who make cyberpunk stuff are also obsessed with Japan. <laughs> um, <laughs> but also uh, it it has its roots in anime. It does have its roots in, in a lot of that stuff like Akira. It, it has its roots in visions of the future where predominantly I would say a major facet of, of cyber uh, cyberpunk stuff is what will corporations do to us over time as technology advances, mm. how will the idea of state start to fall away and corporation and obviously capitalism start to define the way we live our lives. And uh, that's one major aspect of it. I think another major aspect is obviously transhumanism and the idea of mm. body and self and mind and consciousness and also very good cyberpunk is able to tackle that stuff through the, through the lens of disability, through the lens of um, transness, through the, the all, all kinds of different lenses that can examine the human condition and the ways in which it evolves as we gain the ability to explore it. And also the ways in which it can be commodified or picked apart or pieced apart or abused by the system. Mm -hmm. So those are kind of the pillars of cyberpunk to me. And I know that's very broad, but mm. um, I think they're two important things to talk about up front. Um, Ken, how do you feel about cyberpunk as a genre? I would say like, it, admittedly like my experience with the genre is probably less than, less than yours and less than a lot of people. A lot of the cyberpunk that I've experienced personally has been, a lot of it has been through like anime, like things like Psychopath and Akademi mm -hmm. Drive, or like mm -hmm. the things that like immediately mm -hmm. my brain goes to when I think about the genre. But I at least understood it enough in terms of how it was often utilized to discuss certain things, like you said. Um, kind of like primarily how technology would lead to like shifts in humanity and more, um, like like for for example, for you know to keep in line with things that we've talked about in the show, like Mass Effect talks about like technology and humanity and like the framing of like the technological singularity and like how that would be. Like, we do manage the downfall, whereas the cyberpunk genre is kind of more... I, I guess I always understood it to be more, like, more grounded in the ways that it talks about the ways that those things cross over and how, if left, like, like left unchecked, uh, might lead to a loss in what we consider humanity. And then that ends up leading to, like, various tentpoles of society, like, you know, capitalism, corporations, law enforcement, body image, and things like that. Like, it's high-minded, but it's also, like, talking about the things in a way that feels closer to home than other kinds of sci-fi. Mm -hmm. and yeah, then it, yeah go ahead, go ahead. i was just gonna say it also like it it tends to always spurn out into big ideas but come back to the self because i right. think the self as it exists in in society and to be clear we are not academics by trade so right. <laughs> sorry for like fumbling around in the dark a little bit at times but um it's uh the, the sense of like who you are and where you belong in a system and how the system mm. wants to create, you know, product from you. Right. And then the human struggle to not just be that cog, to not just be, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a resource that is used is, I think, at the core of good cyberpunk. Right. And uh, yeah. I think that's a major piece of the puzzle going into Cyberpunk 2077. Right. Because, like, like, on that note, like, it's not... um. 
Like, that, the frame is important because I feel like that's, you know, the genre is often vilifying a lot of these things that we're talking about, but also I think, I mean, this, this will obviously be like a broader conversation we have, but like I think a lot of 277's problems in terms of its world and its opinion on people and things, it just kind of often just kind of does the thing rather than having like a real commentary on it. And it's just like kind of content with having shown you these things rather than really bringing up like, you know, ways that like, you know, you can com combat this or like, you know, solutions in place. Like a lot of it is uh, kind of a showing and that being the extent of what it has to say. But, you know, we'll get to that as we get um, further in the season. And, um, and also, like, you know, you, you kind of touched on this before, but, like, crucially, like, I think it's also important to talk about how, like, Western takes on the cyberpunk genre and these sort of, like, warnings, for lack of a better term, of, like, how technology can remove humanity is often steeped in, like, some extremely racist sentiments, like, towards Asian people uh -huh. and uh -huh. technology and culture. And a lot of, for a lot of reasons, uh, 2077 is extremely racist towards just about everyone who isn't white in one way or another, and we will <laughs> pick that apart as we go through the game. But those sentiments are often baked into the way that a lot of Western writers talk about these ideas in the cyberpunk genre. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And that's, like, an important thing and lens for us to have as we're moving forward as well, I think. Absolutely. I think, um, well, we will definitely be talking about this throughout the season, but yes, to, to all that you said, and, and we'll be bringing on some guests who can speak to that stuff as well and, and help us really uh, dig down into the, the nitty-gritty of all that entails. Uh, and so with, with that said, we've talked about cyberpunk. Let's talk about CD Projekt Red, the makers of Cyberpunk mm -hmm. 2077, uh, because they have a history as well. Uh, they are, you know, started out as kind of one of, you know, just another uh, RPG developer uh, in Europe making Euro RPGs. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not uncommon. There's, there's many of them. You could arguably, as much as we like to say, you know, Western RPGs and JRPGs, which are themselves outdated terms, there is also a branch of Euro RPGs that uh, have emerged over the years and can range all across the, the spectrum. But uh, CD Projekt Red specifically started to gain notoriety through The Witcher. Um, the first Witcher obviously made some waves but not a ton of waves it was also based on a book series uh which at the time was less common than you would expect i actually have a game informer behind me that has a review of the first witcher game in it which is very funny uh, i was looking through it for something else the other day and found a pc review of the witcher which just <laughs> amazed me um i i've for record i have played all three witcher games uh, and and other you know almost said accoutrement I need to stop using that word uh, <laughs> other uh, like side games like I've played Gwent and Thronebreaker and stuff like that uh, and I've watched the the Netflix Witcher series and that's kind of what I'm building to is that CD Projekt Red through The Witcher especially through The Witcher two and then especially The Witcher three uh, became massive. They became the next big studio. They arguably have reached rock star levels of mm -hmm. notoriety where people know CD Projekt Red and they know The Witcher. And people who I, you know, maybe play games <laughs> once once a year. They, they buy one game a year and that's the only one they play. They are buying The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. 
and uh, not even caring that it has three in the name. They're just like playing it because it's The Witcher, and mm-hmm. and they want to play a video game. It's it's that level. And right. uh, I think it's important to highlight that because number one, there were a lot of expectations going mm-hmm. into Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, and I don't think too many of them were unreasonable. Right. I I do think there is a level of hype that was established around this game that could never be sated. And it's interesting we're talking about this now in a post-Elden Ring world, which I feel is one of the other games that you could point at that had the same level of anticipation behind it and arguably met the standard mm. and and met, you know, did what it set out to do. But Elden Ring also wasn't publicly in development for god eight years from from 2012 first reveal to december 2020 release uh about eight years of publicly being in development and trailers and gameplay reveals and and most importantly maybe gameplay reveals that were later uh (laughs) had some features removed from Mm. them Mm. (laughs) and uh just lots of things that uh CD Projekt Red was was on top of the world with The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, mm. and, and it's, it's iterated DLCs, uh, two two DLC packages, which I, I would argue are some of the best DLC that, have, that has ever been released for a video mm. game, especially Blood and Wine. Uh, but even Hearts of Stone is absolutely incredible, too. Um, and so to say there were high expectations for, mm. for Cyberpunk 2077 might not even be setting it up right. <laughs> it might be underselling yeah. it. Amidst it, all this, um, well, I was gonna yeah. like kind of yeah. as we're yeah. like go into the timeline of leading up to this game. Something for me personally, like I don't, I didn't like The Witcher Three, and a lot of that is like as anyone who's ever listened to the show knows. Like, one, I don't really care for like fantasy settings generally, so like you know that in and of itself like, did not already did not endear me to the game. But I also just didn't like the way that the actual like character control worked in that game, and it made the entire thing clunky and weird to me to the point where I just dropped off it very quickly. So I kind of was coming into Cyberpunk with zero expectations for a lot of reasons. Like, one, like, CD Projekt Red's name didn't necessarily mean anything to me specifically. Because, again, I had no affinity for the past work. But also, like, I didn't know anything much about the Cyberpunk uh, property. Because, like, again, this is also... And we'll get into this in a little bit. Like, Cyberpunk 2077 is based off a tabletop series that, uh, you know, I, I knew n- nothing about coming into either. But it at least, like, set me up on, like, a... I was, I guess, coming into Cyberpunk 2077 was... I guess a relatively clear head and it was more so leading into the marketing of it that we're going to get into that I think soured me on it going in because it kind of one, I think, you know, leaned into the worst aspects of the game, but also kind of talked about the game in a way that felt kind of dishonest to what the actual game ended up being. Uh, I also felt honest in some other ways, which we'll we'll talk about, but um, I think like it, I would, I was coming in kind of in the perfect window to not really have any expectations and just kind of be, let, let it be set by what they were showing me. And a lot of it was not great for me very specifically. Mm. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing that we should set up um, before we get into more about CD project red specifically, well, no, let's talk about CD project red first and we'll get into the other thing. Um, 
CD Projekt Red also throughout the the development, especially the later stages of development of Cyberpunk, had reports of crunch coming out mm-hmm. of the studio. Uh, lots of allegations of uh, overwork and just pressing and pressing and pressing to mm-hmm. get this game out and get this game finished. Uh, there, there's lots of articles out there you can read about that. I would recommend Jason Schreier's article uh, about crunch at CD Projekt Red is kind of the de facto go-to. Um, but uh, it's it, it set this game up to be a massive thing, and we can also speak a little bit to this in terms of um, even the process for covering Cyberpunk 2077, uh, which neither of us wrote or you did not review it correctly like or no, you did not no. do the formal review or anything i did not no yeah i i did not review it either but being in the media we we did see a little bit behind the scenes of how this stuff worked and uh code was going out very late for this game mm-hmm. and um <laughs> you can find a lot of discussion about that on podcasts and stuff from the time but i think we even talked about it on a like a Q&A episode back then too yes yeah yeah um and and i would say like so so there was a there was a huge buildup of hype and then alongside it this increasing skepticism that any game was going to be able to live up to what it was saying and cd project red at the time especially leading up to launch started doing these night city wire streams where they just kept drip feeding out new things about the game and they had Keanu on the Xbox stage at E3 and it later had to delay the date that Keanu revealed mm-hmm. on, you know, the, the image of like black on yellow uh, with like an apology mm-hmm. written <laughs> like that specific tweet just became so ubiquitous that people started beaming with it and we announced our season with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there are so many pieces of this game that became memes, and this ultimately leads us to the release of Cyberpunk 2077, which was kind of a dumpster fire. Uh, the PC version largely came out okay. I wouldn't say it was the best at launch, but it was not the worst. It's definitely mm-hmm. improved at this point, uh, but it is not the worst thing. The... <laughs> Current the console gen versions, the current gen console versions, the the PlayStation Four and Xbox One versions of the game were bad, mm. and I, I'm talking just bad, bad uh, to the point that uh, there's some infamous stuff of like I, I believe IGN specifically gave the PC version of Cyberpunk a fairly high score. I can't remember what number it was off the top of my head but then gave the console version of cyberpunk like an abysmally low score Mm -hmm. even by like game review standards where we tend to review what is on average an above average game and so they tend to skew towards the higher side of the spectrum this was down Mm -hmm. in the turns uh and there was just an immediate backlash and people just started kind of throwing throwing shit everywhere and not really caring who they hit with it because mm. i remember there was anger at cd project red there was anger at the media uh for not 
reviewing it properly, even though there were tons of sites that people would be like, oh, the the stu- the, the, the so-and-sos of the world, you know, told us this game was great. You go and look at their review on the website, and, and it says, like, this is a bad game. Right. <laughs> classic, classic story. Of reality doesn't world. matter. So yeah, you. yeah, no, just your perceived reality. You know, you just say like mm. the one meme about a, a certain other review of a Pokemon game, and and everyone like slaps you on the back and gives you imaginary internet points. I'm not mm. bitter. <laughs> but, um, it's. <sighs> It, then it, it escalated because like it, Sony took it and off even the store. People, even people fighting, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm I'm ramping to that. But even people just fighting on on social media with each other. Even people who came and were like, oh, actually, I think it's an okay game. You know, it's not the greatest thing. It's not the worst thing. Which I think is a rational take to have coming mm. out of if you were playing on PC at launch or even on PlayStation Five or something at launch. Because right. I think the consoles had just come out at that point. Yeah, it would have been out like a month out. Yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, if you're playing on good hardware, or, or I should say hardware that this game was probably by all accounts should have been intended to run on and, mm-hmm. and not made to run on lower end hardware, um, you, you could have walked out of there and been like, oh, that was fine. You maybe even could have liked it, you know, and I wouldn't really judge you. Well, I'd judge you a little bit for it, but <laughs> it's, uh, you could have walked out of there and been like, yeah, yeah, it's totally fine. And then, you know, 14 different people who had two weeks prior been saying that they were taking off a month of work so they could do nothing but play cyberpunk and they were gonna live in night city are now just like at at searching any mention of cyberpunk to tell you that you're a shill and paid off mm-hmm. and stuff and, and to like to normal people just to the average person on twitter with like 10 followers just mm-hmm. people jumping down each other's throats and so as ken was going to point out this led to the game being taken off uh digital shelves uh most most notably sony saying we are taking this down from sale uh you we are not letting people buy this anymore um that was maybe i mean i can't remember many times that that has happened ever and most of the times when a game gets taken down from sale it's through delisting it's Mm. through rights issues and so when something when, when a game that has actively come out recently and is then being taken off of shelves, there is something significant happening there. Uh, and mm. this was, and it, didn't, one it of did not moments. go back up for like six months. Yeah. It was, it was gone for quite a while. And at this point, to my understanding, those old versions of the game do ostensibly run, but mm. I don't know if they can ever fully be salvaged. Right. Um, and over the months, I mean, it, it it has gotten better. It has been patched, I would say. Um, most notably recently, uh, the next-gen quote-unquote patch came out, which uh, brought out the native versions of the Xbox Series X and S and PS5 uh, versions of Cyberpunk and uh, gave them a bunch of cool features and stuff to play with. Mm. And also just kind of tried to address a lot of weird things in the game, like traffic mm. <laughs> and stuff like that, which playing the other night, I would argue maybe they haven't found the silver bullet, the <laughs> silver bullet yet. They've, they've not concocted the panacea for that one yet, but uh, you know, it's all in development, but they've even uh, in, in a recent financial call, you know, they said that they are going to make the DLC that they were planning on making, but on their resources, 
uh, they had like this graph that was like a bar graph of all the resources that they're allocating internally. And they showed that over time, they're eventually going to start shifting people off of cyberpunk and onto the next project, which is uh, the Witcher game that the, the, the Witcher mm-hmm. project they're currently working on and some other stuff within CD project red. So there is a DLC on the way, but it kind of feels like the, the game cyberpunk 2077, the launch game is, is what we have now. It, yeah. You know, it's, it's done, done being handled. I've heard some people jokingly say that the next gen patch was, the 1.0 patch like we were playing mm-hmm. early access until then and i i don't necessarily i, I wouldn't completely disagree with them mm-hmm. but uh i do think it's worth going into this with all that knowledge because um we we can also mention that that cyberpunk is a tabletop game and and it's it's based on a tabletop rpg so a lot of the stuff it's working with is uh grounded in that that tabletop rpg uh most notably major characters like johnny silverhand and mm. uh and and many of the factions like the voodoo boys and and all that are taken straight from the tabletop rpg and we'll talk about how it handles that stuff in the future but it's worth noting up front too that like yes it is based off of a tabletop rpg the same way that vampire the masquerade bloodlines is based off of vampire the masquerade the tabletop rpg uh and so I think with all that said, Ken, we should probably talk a little bit about our own personal experiences going into this mm. because uh, I'll, I'll start because mm. I, I, I probably have less to say than you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I played Cyberpunk 2077 at launch. I played up to about what I'd say is the end of that game. I was kind of at the section where uh, I could clear off side quests and stuff, but it was clear that whatever quest i did next was going to be the point of no return Mm -hmm. uh and i just generally thought it felt like someone tried to make an open world deus ex game Mm. and missed the mark widely (laughs) (laughs) um so much of the game felt very disjointed to me uh so much of the game felt very like peaks of highs and lows but more lows than highs uh there are certain aspects of that game i liked a lot at the time uh i think there are specific missions and i don't think this is a strange thing to say for anybody even people who say they don't like cyberpunk is that there are missions in this game quests in this game that are individually very good mm-hmm. that are standouts in their own way uh but i found that night city just never felt alive to me Mm. it never felt like a place it felt like a playground and 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 i know that marketing wants like like a marketing person hears that and they're like oh it's a playground right that's not always a good thing when what you're looking for is a place filled with people and not just kind of this here's the slide and here's the 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 bars i don't know what you call them but the bars you kind of like you know work your way across you know, with your with your arms feet dangling in the air you know what i'm talking about uh yes hanging but... bars that's mm-hmm. monkey bars is that the monkey bars that sounds kind of right i don't know describe what you're you... saying again so so it's like they're like bars and they, they're kind of like up off the ground and uh-huh. you like work your way from one side to the other with your arms and your feet oh yeah, yeah, monkey dangling bars. While you yeah, do yeah. It. yeah okay yeah. monkey bars okay uh because oh, you look like you look like an orangutan when you're doing it okay that makes sense um 
<laughs> hot hot anyway. playground takes here on Normandy FM. Uh, How do you feel about the design of this playground? How does the game I, feel? It's shallow. I mean, I use the playground specifically because the slide's fun the first time you do it, and maybe you have like a couple times you go down that slide and you're like, yeah, slides rule. But then you go down the slide again, and you're like, yeah, that was the slide I did before. And then meanwhile, there's like another kid over on the side and you're like, hey, kid, what are you up to? And they start yelling at you like, I've got a taxi side mission over here if you want to do it. And I'm like, I'm kind of busy with this slide. And it's like, no, no, look at my taxi side mission with our goofy voice actors over here. Do you you want to hang out in Night City with your favorite YouTube personality? (laughs) And In many ways, I, I think it's funny how cyberpunk both tries to satirize things and falls prey to them <laughs> in, mm-hmm. in the same breath. Uh, there's so much stuff in this game that feels interesting and uh, worth examining. And then it also, I mean, it, in one area, it, this is worth bringing up here too, that it got a lot of heat um for an advertisement in the game that was like mm. basically edgy I, I will say a lot of the advertisements in this game are edgy on purpose but this one that illustrated uh an attractive feminine looking person with uh, a large uh rocket in their pocket so to speak uh especially drew mm. some ire uh mm. and i think a lot of a lot of trans critics put out some excellent writing about why that that sort of weird fetishization is a problem and and cyberpunk tries to like be like oh no this is we're showing you how the capitalism is bad and this is what corporations do to us and then there's just stuff all over this game of we put a we put a streamer in here that you like and and we've got lots of licensed music and Mm -hmm. and check out all these sick things that make references to other things. You know, I, right. I don't mind. I thought it was cute that you open a drawer at one point and you see uh, a gaming magazine with Siri on the cover. Like that's fun, but there are a lot of aspects of this that felt so heavily commodified and uh, t- like just fed into the mm. hype machine that put cyberpunk on this pedestal that it was at, at that point fated to fall from. Uh, I, you know the, the cyberpunk chairs become became their own thing the cyberpunk mm. uh everything became its own thing the the statues the uh tie-in just everything it, it was so heavily leaning into the things it was also trying to satirize that i just <laughs> it felt hollow and i think mm. the the parts that stick with me to this day i'll also say like i just generally don't think the combat in this game is good at all mm. um and that hasn't really changed for me yet uh, in my time i've spent playing so far mm. uh but it's it's in the moments where you glimpse what this game could have been if all of that peeled away and it was about people trying to get by in mm. night city and live in night city that you start to see what cyberpunk could have been. And that is my most, that's what I'm really looking for going into this is do those moments. And I'm also trying to see different moments when I, ones I did not see before. Um, Can they shine through what is otherwise a game that I just did not click with? Mm. How about you, Ken? So for me, going into it, like, for all the reasons I said before, like, it, I didn't have a lot of expectations because, like, honestly, like, just looking at it, like, structurally, Cyberpunk mm-hmm. 2077 is at odds with the majority of the things that I like about video games. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I wasn't, I was not really expecting it to make me feel one way or another. And I was largely at the time playing it, you know, out of obligation for my job. And I was playing a PlayStation four copy on my PS five. And it was still, even though it was better because I had, I had seen how that game ran on old hardware uh, it still, you know, crashed on me dozens of times throughout the entirety of my playthrough. Uh, I ended up, like, you know, kind of disengaging from a lot of the, the open-world bullshit of it all, because that's generally what I do with these games. Um, and so in, in that way, like, Night City was never a place that I felt like I connected to. But I would go through the game, and, like, you know, it, it's almost like, I think, the game, like, sandwiched things that I thought were interesting uh, around... A, a, a middle section that is just kind of like encapsulates everything awful about this game to me. And that's mm-hmm. about like, you know, cause that's when it gets away from, you know, the more focused narrative of other things that have to do. And I also like the more, you know, uh, the, the more character driven writing that I think sticks out and just gets into like all its really terrible, awful feelings about people, places and things that like often both is just like intolerable in its cynicism, but also, really gross in the way that it like boils down people into these caricatures. Like I said earlier, like anybody who is not white in this game is treated like some awful stereotype, unless you're, you know, a named character like Judy who has like a lot going on for her. But you know, th- there are these factions that are, you know, basically like divided up like different, uh, different people of color into like different stereotypes that we, and roles that we give them in, in the society, which again, we will unpack every single one of them as we go through. But I finished the game and honestly was like, there were moments in this game where it was surprising to me to get back to something that felt like really, really strong and really like, like a lot of care was put into it as, cause I'd spent so much time in like the, the bullshit getting there that I'd forgotten the things that were strong about this game were actually strong the entire time, like consistently so. And mm-hmm. by the time I got to the end and you know, I, you never, I know you didn't, you didn't finish the game and you have your feelings on it. Like I, I feel like the ending actually ended up encapsulating a lot of the things that I really enjoyed about this game on a like on, on, you know, on, a, on a grounded personal level. Because when, when I think it is speaking to people, like individuals, and how they are coping in this city that does not care about them. And this city that everyone is kind of just like trying to survive in. And you know, when it really sits with those people and like their stories, that's when I think the game really... Like, it, it always, like, again, like it was always surprising to me to get back to those stories and realize that they had been good the entire time. And I had just kind of forgotten about it because I'd been away from it for mm-hmm. so long. Mm-hmm. And that's been my weird feeling about looking looking back on the game is that I feel like a lot of my, the things that I remember most about the game are those moments. And, like, so I have this very rosy image of it in my head where, like, I'll just, like, remember my my V and Carrie and like stare at a wall for an hour just cause like I'm, I'm really enamored by their story and how their stories are intertwined in a way that I think honestly, like as, as much of a, like a, my trash video game boyfriend Carrie is like, I really appreciate how he and V's relationship is woven into like a lot of the themes about like the desire to be remembered in this system that will only ever chew you up and spit you out. And those ideas and those ways that, like, you kind of just, like, sit with what it means to, like, want to be remembered in something that is completely depersonalizing of you and everything that you feel and everything that you want. Those are the things that Cyberpunk 2077, like, hits for me and hits very well, and that is what stuck with me in all, all these almost two years later. And, like you said, I, I think that's the parts that I want to, like, go into this game looking for, because 
I talk a lot about in, like, The Last of Us Part 2, and, or Last of Us and Last of Us Part 2, like, those are as, you know, giant AAA games that are made by hundreds of people. It's often, it often feels hard in games that are made by that many, like, teams that are that large to, like, you know, find an inkling of, like, an idea or a uh, sort of a vision of what this world and these characters are supposed to, like, mean when you've got that many hands on it, you know? And I feel like that's mm. a lot of Cyberpunk 2077's problem is that it, it feels disjointed in a way that The Last of Us Part Two does not, I think. Because I think that's one of that game's strengths. It's like, but, you know, by the, by the time you get to the end of that game, there's a pretty cohesive vision of what it all meant to be there. Where Cyberpunk 2077 is, feels like there are so many little teams making all these different, you know, aspects of it that it feels like this is very, almost like this is a very incoherent thing. And that's, you know, broadly a problem with open-world video games to begin with, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. they are so massive that like it's often hard to kind of determine what it all meant in the end but i think about a lot of those moments in cyberpunk and i like i see a through line of something that i think had it been you know smaller in scope and not been this giant open world bullshit fucking video game that had to be like everything to everybody like i I see inklings of a game that had something to say in the midst of all the noise because there is a whole lot of noise in this game a whole lot of Mm -hmm. shit that i think does not do it any favors and i think that's going to be like a difficult thing to kind of go through and unpack as we're going into the season where I'm not going to be like, oh, right, here are these things that are kind of set aside in my brain because, you know, I didn't care to think about those things anymore. But here, like, I think about, you know, this questline with Judy, this questline with Johnny, this questline with Carrie. And, yeah, so I think that's what my feeling is going into this game now. It's like, now that it's, you know, to some degree better put together and it's going to, like, you know, I, like, I've, I've been playing the PS5 version, the, the native PS5 version, a fair bit and haven't run into any instances of it crashing on me yet. So mm-hmm. hopefully getting to those moments is going to be a lot easier, but we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to truck through some fucking trash to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what I'm really interested in is, is like a lot of the things you just said, I, I agree with, and especially about this is an open world game. And I feel like there is often a difficulty in trying to tell a cohesive message inside an open world. Uh, which is weird because like what I think succeeded about CD Projekt Red's previous game uh, The Witcher 3 and its DLC was that it just told a lot of stories and Mm. it let Geralt kind of grow in that process but his growth was gradual and his growth was marked by certain quests that you undertook so like Mm. um, there there were significant choices that you made in terms of uh, you know who takes over a kingdom or something like that and that would be cosmetically reflected but it wasn't this end-all be-all moment but the 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 underpinning thing for wild hunt was siri and Geralt and siri's relationship and uh most of the major choices you actually make in that game involve how Geralt uh interacts with siri and how Geralt. uh how that ends up shaping the relationship that Geralt has with Siri by the end of the game. And then also mm-hmm. uh, how that ends up shaping relationships that you have with other characters like Yennefer and Trish and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and I, I feel like cyberpunk almost tries to do the same thing with Johnny and tries to have that one thing be your anchor throughout the game mm. and always come back to that. I just don't know that it's a good enough beat to come back to but uh, I, mean, I, w- I also wonder if that's you know to to segue ourselves to um because v is a created character right. v is and, not Geralt of rivia v is just kind of a person 
that does have a voice at least and you do kind of make choices for but v is still kind of a created character right in the vein of a shepherd or a hawk or a rider and not necessarily like you are playing Geralt of rivia and that's that's interesting to me like when you bring that up because like i feel like you know having played this game you know start to finish with a character in mind that i'm creating and you know very invested in in that way I personally like I felt you know in whether it's because I you know I picked the right uh, life path that we're going to talk about in a bit, or I made the right decisions, or I was in the right relationships to kind of like feel. I felt that through line like the through line of a lot of Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven themes very strongly with my character, and part of me like is interested to talk about as you know as we go through it's because like, you're picking a different life path than I am. If like some things as simple as like the foundational thing that you set at the very beginning of this game can inform how well or how little you actually resonate with those things as a player that is creating a character that is supposed to exist in the world and be to some degree an extension of you. Because I do, that that was some of my weird feeling watching your life path and also the third one that neither of us are going to pick is that the one I picked feels so strongly tied to the story that I kind of told throughout this game that I feel like that might have played you know, a really strong role in why the game ended up resonating with me in the way that it did. Well, I think another important thing that we've talked about on this podcast before, too, is that uh, something you, you said just now stuck out to me was um, playing yourself in this game and, and inserting yourself into this world. I do think there are different approaches to playing a character in any role-playing game. And so while I think in, like, The Witcher 3, they kind of make that decision for you by saying like you're playing Geralt of Rivia and it's your Geralt so like you're going to have options but you're not going to be able to be like oh suddenly Geralt's a baker now or something <laughs> like mm. Geralt is Geralt to some extent and you're choosing a flavor of Geralt that you most like uh, but created characters and especially in the history of role playing games and, and the sorts of role playing games that, that Cyberpunk 2077 is based on uh, you form a character and who that character is is kind of up to you like are you going to play a self-insert or are you going to make a separate character that you are now playing and how do you differentiate that person and their choices from the ones that you would make in their place so i will tell you right now that the first time i played this game i was definitely very self-inserty i usually am that way whenever i play an rpg for the first time mm -hmm. uh, i will barring some situations like when i was playing the early access of Baldur's gate 3 and stuff um when i do a quote-unquote proper run of a game for the first time i will just kind of make a character that feels like quote-unquote me and make decisions that i would make and just kind of play that way uh but especially now in my second run of cyberpunk I kind of already have a story for who my V is, and it helps that, like, my V is, uh, is, is, uh, feminine presenting, is female voice, is, uh, you know, largely, like, I can draw a pretty clear wall between me and my mm -hmm. character, and so that helps me kind of get in the mindset. I, I found traditionally I like doing that when I play roleplay characters. I like to have, like, very clear, I'm going to play something mm. completely different for me because then i can really just alter my mindset so it's not like i'm trying to play me as a villain i'm trying to play a villain that i have created mm. um and so in that respect i'm going the corpo path uh and 
uh, I'm definitely playing a V that started the game out as a cutthroat, mm-hmm. as someone that was in you know in line to be one of the top uh, Arasaka uh, execs. You know, was was a toady essentially, but happily doing so and and uh, cutting corners for their boss. And we'll get into how the story plays out as we get there. But I do think that also it it's how I'm going to view this season, and I'm interesting. I'm interested to see how it holds up in that respect as an actual mm-hmm. just role playing game. Like, are my choices and my decision to play a certain character going to be rewarded, or are they largely going to be the same sorts of things I would be getting if I was playing any other character mm-hmm. with just maybe a couple bits of flavor. Uh, I think a lot about games like Skyrim where, yeah, I played a mage in Skyrim, but everything I saw was the same stuff that everyone else saw because there aren't very many hurdles you have to jump to see things in a game like Skyrim. Uh, there's not a lot of closing off of paths that happen. There's not a lot of, uh, if there's any sort of, stat check you have to jump to get somewhere it's very low uh and i'm interested to see how cyberpunk deals in that respect because Mm -hmm. i do think i'm i'm wondering how it i'm also playing a very different type of character this time around the first time i played cyberpunk 2077 i was a kind of a gunslinger i just kind of used some guns that i really liked and 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 Mm -hmm. did a lot of stealth mostly and then when things got loud i had like some some pistols and revolvers that were very powerful uh, this time I'm trying to hack. I'm trying to be yep. a netrunner type character. So I'm really trying to push this game and see if it's going to reward me for role playing or not. That's like one of my main mm. things going into. Um, yeah. So I guess we can use that to talk about the characters we created. Yeah. Um, first up, every video game that has creatable characters should have some faith import option. Yes. Yeah. Mass Effect did this 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And y'all can't catch up. Yeah, like Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven put in an update that lets you recustomize your face, but it doesn't. It still doesn't have like a new game plus option where you can just put that character's face back in. What the fuck? So like, and even even that recustomization that is added, like you can't change the actual structure of your character's face. You can just kind of change like, you know, the makeup, the all all you know the, the implants, you know, I, all mm-hmm. that shit. Like, mm-hmm. I had to go and like compare sliders to. My, my actual save file, like, my, my original save file to recreate my V in this one because, unlike everything you said, I have, like, a canon V, and, like, this is going to be my self-insert character. He is a street kid, masculine voice, body type, made to look as much like me as I can. The beanies in this game, absolute <laughs> ass, so we're just, we're just rocking it bald the entire time. The actual character creator stuff in this game is, like, it's fine. It's I think, fine. like, it, it's, it's it's all presets. Sort of, there's no sliders, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah, and they they have like you know a, a few things that are like you know interesting and different. Like you know obviously like, the cyberware that your character can have. Um, it's cool, but like you you see like a lot of like the, the more like over the top edgy characters that they have in, like in marketing and in gangs and stuff. And like they have like really off the wall things, but like mm-hmm. V kind of always still has to look like a person most of the time, so they don't they never get super crazy. Um, you know, so you know mess with your genitals and that's like this is the weirdest uh, that was like part a, of this game it was a huge thing that they talked about like you know again like the game leaned into a lot of edgy shit in its marketing but it also not doesn't really amount to anything like you know okay you can have you can have a penis you can have a vagina there 
there's dick size options and it's you can also have like no genitals which i think is actually what my decision was and i i just picked it because i was like let's see what this does mm. <laughs> and the answer is uh, yeah, yeah, no, I was I was actually curious to see if this is going to, like, ruin a potential romance option for me, because the way romance is tied into this is also very stupid. It's, yeah. um, to, like, lay it out just right now, there are kind of four main romance options. Uh, two of them are just, you have to be a ma- either masculine or feminine body type. Like, it, it will just be determined by your body type. And then two of them, you have to be masculine in both body type and voice which you can have as different in this game which is is cool is interesting for character creation purposes yeah but then also like number one that feels very arbitrary um and and none of it ever really felt at least when i was playing romance the first time around and from what i've talked to other people it never felt like they gave reasons why um and also, uh, uh, we, I mean, so well, let's talk about the genital thing, because I, I do like that there is just like, uh, you know, you can either have no genitals or you can have a vagina or you can have like multiple different dicks. <laughs> and um, and I, I wrote here my notes here. I've seen many up and close and personal dick in my life. The small one is the closest to like a normal fucking size dick. Well, that's like, that's a video game thing. Come on. I, I guess like. There's there was absolutely allegedly <laughs> some producer standing behind uh, an animator somewhere going no bigger 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 <laughs> the fucking giant bomb uh, scene one is like bigger yeah yeah it's Jeff Gersman whispering bigger into the GameCube microphone but with cyberpunk's dicks um, and and also options for cut and uncut should you wish uh, which like it's, doesn't it's nice. Uh, it's, 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 so, okay. Like, I'm, I'm a couple of minds. Okay. One, it, it, I I am glad that these options are here, like, especially for, like, trans uh-huh. people who might uh-huh. need to, like, you, you know, they need to have these options to kind of mix and match things that are going on to, like, mm-hmm. properly represent mm-hmm. their bodies mm-hmm. and their voices as well. Um, I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. The, uh, here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> the weird thing is, um, a lot the of butt. it... <laughs> Is that, the, is that the end? No, the, no, the no, end story? The, no, no. That's what that's what I was saying. He's the butt. The butt is here. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you meant the butt within like of their body. Um, no, no, no. There, there is a butt in, in this whole lead up. <laughs> all of this, you know, all these ideas of like the, the fluidity of form that it has, is all completely undermined by the fact that it assigns these pronouns based on their voice, mm-hmm. and that plays in like like you said, it plays into. Not only the romances, but like just generally how you are addressed in this game throughout, and that's where like you know you've got all these things, these systems in place to let people like see their bodies represented, but you have determined based on the voice that they pick if any of that actually amounts to anything. So there's and, no hmm. there's no gender neutral term for V then, is there? There isn't, and there's also no like just toggle to be like which pronoun do you want to use because that feels like the most in line with, like, even, you know, all these other systems they have in place is, like, you're acknowledging that people's bodies can be different, but you still end, end up kind of, like, reveling in this binary by the end because you decide 
how they will be referred to in this game is based entirely on what they sound like. It's it's super weird, and also I will say that like the PC modding community coming through like they always do with the save have have developed a lot of options for you know for example you know romancing Judy uh, without some of the weird restrictions uh, that are there. Uh, I don't know. I was actually just doing a quick Google search to see if there was a they them option for V. I don't know or or could not find one with a cursory Google search. Um, and even um even some of these like mods that you're talking about, like I have a lot of feelings on a lot of that because like I feel like the game is so wrapped up in its weird systems and weird designing of these things that it gets into weird shit about like how you're even defining your your not playable characters as well because like. I feel kind of uncomfortable with the idea of, like, a male presenting V romancing Judy because she is a lesbian. Like, she identifies as such and mm-hmm. says as much should you choose as a male presenting V to flirt with her. But then it gets into a lot of weird shit, especially with Carrie, who is supposed to be a bisexual character in the uh, the tabletop stuff, who then is restricted strictly to male presenting Vs. And, you know, mm-hmm. we'll get into all, like, the, the specifics of how all, like, the nuts and bolts of all this works in those specific episodes, because we're going to have episodes dedicated to those characters specifically. But in tripping over all of these different fucking rakes that it leaves on the, on the ground, Cyberpunk gets so messy in terms of how it talks about, like, bodies and identity, mm-hmm. and in ways that I don't think it can ever come back from, because, just because the systems are so fucked, like, in yeah, their bases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it sucks, because, like, it, it clearly had, like, some level of good intention in the way that it lets you customize your characters appearance mm. and then it just in that fucking like lack of a pronoun toggle or you know like there you know all the various ways that they could have you know fixed this they have stumbled into something that is kind of shitty in the end and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Un- like is almost is kind of like you know pushing out of people that it's trying to bring in when these kind of systems in the first place yeah and i i think it ultimately just ends up like we we talked about how one of the main pillars of cyberpunk is about transhumanism and about mm-hmm. the idea that the body is just that the body. I think there's actually been some really good work in this regard. Uh, Citizen Sleeper, which just came out as we were recording this, uh, is a game that I played recently and I thought did incredible work in looking at what it means to have a body in mm. uh, a future where bodies are commodities and also in a future where your body's autonomy is is not up to the freedoms of, of what you want. It's at the mercy of capitalism. It's at the mercy of the market and what it demands from your body and how you have to use your body for labor. And once again, I don't think in many ways, I think cyberpunk is a power fantasy type game because it wants you to, they set up very early on as we'll talk about in this episode, this idea that people come to night city uh, to become legends, to become Mm -hmm. Uh, the greats, you know, they want to be remembered uh, in in the same breath as, as people like Adam Smasher and Johnny Silverhand. Well, Johnny Silverhand's a little bit more controversial, but we'll get to that too. Um, like Morgan Blackhand, I think is another one that comes up a lot. Um, and it's, it's, it, it wants you to just be like, oh yeah, you know, you're, you're a freaking legend. You're the greatest. Like you, everything you do makes numbers go up. Mm. There's not a lot you do in this game outside of taking damage that makes numbers go down. They just go up. And, mm. uh, 
that's kind of the weird disparity I feel between what cyberpunk can be and what cyberpunk is in this game is this is a game about becoming more and more powerful but cyberpunk and and the world of cyberpunk by its nature the powerful are, are the ones who are oppressing everybody else are the ones who are standing at the top of arasaka tower looking down on everyone below them and in one way or another you are either going to have to leave that quest for power or let yourself be consumed by it and become the thing that you were probably rebelling against in the first place. Mm. And is that profound meaning that was intended by the developers or just my reading and maybe my critique of what I think cyberpunk is trying to say about the future? (laughs) Who's to say? (laughs) (laughs) We have multiple episodes to unpack this. Yeah, we'll, we'll get through all that. Um, Last thing we should talk about is our character building. Uh, I put most of my points. I like maxed out as much as I could put into intelligence because I just want to hack things. Mm-hmm. Like I really just want to be a straight up net runner. Uh, I like net running as a concept, and I think mm-hmm. it's a cool thing, and I want to do a lot of it. Um, I did put some points into. I put like a couple extra points into technical ability, which is basically just for unlocking doors. Even though I think hacking will eventually be able to do that for me, anyways. Uh, and uh some quality points into like health and stuff like that Mm. you know you just want to make sure you got health sv i I imagine you probably went the same direction yeah i think we have similar builds like i you know primarily into hacking and ramp capacity because like a lot of that we'll we'll get into that what the actual hacking mechanics of this game are in a bit but um you know that and also like stealth stealth what game have i been playing (laughs) (laughs) also you know the, the the uh the cool uh, section at Skull yeah. for like stealth damage and detection and things like that. So yeah, I think we've got similar builds going in now. Yeah. yeah. I remember cool my first build, I think like... I, I'd say, I think, I think in my first playthrough, I ended up putting some more into strength cause like I could break down doors and stuff. But then I was like, this just feels like kind of at odds with like the character that I'm playing. So it's like, I'm going to mm-hmm. lean harder into a character who I think like in, my, if I were in this man's shoes, uh, I would be, uh, that what, what would my skills be? So, yeah, I think my original playthrough, I did a lot of cool and tech ability, uh, mainly just to do a lot of, you know, sneaking around and sniping and silenced weapons and things like that. And then eventually, uh, I don't know, I just kind of, <laughs> I ultimately feel like many of these numbers end up falling by the wayside anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll, we'll get into that as we get further into the game, but uh, I really feel like some of the stats like cool and all that just end up not being cool Mm -hmm. and just kind of being a number that rarely comes up. Uh, but we'll start and, and let's do your origin first. Ken, tell me about the street kid origin. Yeah. Listen, cause I think like, and as I was telling you before, like, I, I feel like it's interesting to hear about other origins for me, like in the context of already knowing what mine is, because like, I feel like, to me, those are, like, remixes of the idea of how you get to the same point, and it's an interesting kind of, like, framing to have as you go into the game, and I'm interested to hear how yours differs from mine. Because, like, I, I'm i a street kid, and it starts with me in a bar, having seemingly just gotten out of a fight. Um, the the game does, like, an interesting thing with each uh, each one of the origins that, like, has this uh, chance to let you see your character, like, through a reflection and, like, have, like, a cin- very cinematic moment to kind of, like ground you in the your character and the world and how you you know, like your your space within it and the way that you see v in a mirror first and three kid is you're resetting your nose after a bar, after a fight 
And so that's a fun scene. That's great. Uh, you immediately get the sense that, like, V kind of knows people here and is, you know, already just to some degree well-known because, like, that's the idea that the Street Kid origin is that, you're, like, you're already, like, in the slums of, of Night City and you know everybody and you have connections here. Um, and, like, I'm talking to the bartender who's named Pepe who's got some trouble with some guy named Kurt uh, who apparently has, like, a reputation of, like, I think, like, was it mafia connections maybe or something like that? But he's, got, he's totally got muscle behind him. Organized crime, yeah. Yeah, and... um. So he, like, asks, like, can you help me out? I, I'm in a lot of trouble. Um, so I go upstairs at this bar to talk to Kirk, who uh, gives me, like, basically, like, hey, if, okay, if you do this, I'll, you know, let Pepe's uh, debt slide. Um, and he wants me to go, like, steal a car, and that's, you know, the, the basis of what you're doing as you leave the bar. And one thing I wanted to point out here is that, like, in terms of, like, talking about the... Uh, the origin stories that you have at the beginning of this game, a lot of the comparisons off to Dragon Age Origins, which had those different <laughs> origin stories that did eventually lead back to the same place. But it does feel like uh, the intros to Cyberpunk are relatively contained and a little bit smaller. Because like, once it like kind of occurred to me that I was like on a path through, mm-hmm. like from the bar to the, the parking garage where I'm going to get this car, I was like, oh, this feels like more on rails and something like origins like what i think back to the circle of Magi origin which is mm-hmm. my, was primarily mine in dragon age origins and mm-hmm. i was just like yeah there was a lot more going on there was a lot more like room for you to experiment with you know different ways of going about things and like learning new information we're here it feels like very much like it's almost like a, a theme park ride where it's like i need to take you from one beat to another beat to another beat so like you understand your character's place in this world but also you get like a very specific sense of Night City and, you know, what your character and you as the player are supposed to kind of know going into the main game. Um, but uh, a few things of note that happened on the, along the way is, uh, you know, like, one thing I, I think really stuck out to me at the very beginning is that, like, Cyberpunk 2077 looks really good in small moments. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. In, like, you know, when it's, like, really trying to, like, establish, like, a sense of space with characters that you are with. Like, when I was talking to Kirk, like, I got, like, I sat in the stall at the, uh, the bar he was at and his, like, you know, his muscle, like, sat directly next to me and the camera got, like, just close enough to, to feel unnerving and I was like, mm-hmm. when it, when it has, like, a smaller space to play with and, you know, like, it really, like, sets you down in that first person perspective, a lot of these scenes really pop. They, like, really, uh, made me feel small in the way that I think it was supposed to. Um, and that, that, that kept on going as, uh, I headed out because I, you know, you go through the back alley and you meet up with uh, a guy. His name is like he's called Padre. Like he at one point said his full name, but I don't remember it. Um, but before that, actually, there was actually this other moment that was um, I really liked as well. Which uh, as you're going to the back alley, there's a homeless guy who says he's a veteran. Like he's got like you know signs. It's like you know spare uh-huh. change. You think you can help? Um, you uh, have the opportunity to like give him some money. And like I like these little moments where. It's not, you know, it doesn't, like, have a, like, grand meaning or anything, but, like, just, like, moments to kind of, like, express who V is to you in this world. And I think a lot of that also comes down to, you know, I think the origin you pick can kind of, like, be a framing for that. And I'm trying to play V as kind of, like, a person who has been around Night City and knows people, but also is, like, not ladder climbing in a way that is, like, willing to just, like, take people down with him just because, like, out of spite. Um... So, like, I, you know, I, I gave some money to this guy here. There's a point later where, like, I waved in somebody, like, into their apartment where 
they like you know they were nearly about to be like in a firefight and i was like no mm-hmm. get out get mm-hmm. get to safety and it's so, like you know just these little moments and a lot of it comes from like uh the, the game has like these um similar to mass effect interrupts where like mm-hmm. you'll have an option that you can do and like a bar that quickly quick, quickly quickly runs out and it's like you have like that very small small window to do things and it's just kind of like you know moments to express who your character is and i like those mm-hmm. a lot and mm-hmm. I, I like that uh it finds little ways for you to kind of just you know fill out your character without it having to be a dialogue option where everyone is sitting down like you're making a huge decision as i mean padre like he is who is also like notably in the middle of like putting a body in the back of his car um mm-hmm. he drives us back to where we're going and uh we talk about you know apparently the street, the street kid v has come back from atlanta so this man is really just me um and uh <laughs> He takes me to the place, but on the way, there's, like, a, a moment where some... I, I never actually think you get specific on this. Like, kind of like a rival gang or something. Uh, some guy, like, gets into the car. Or not into the car, but, like, he gets to the back seat, pulls out his gun, like, puts it in the window, and starts threatening Padre. And you get a, a chance to, again, like, do one of these interrupts. And even though I was trying to, like... I was trying to be, like, you know, a kind of, like... Minds is a business kind of guy. Just doesn't really say anything. I, as soon as the interrupt came and, like, to kind of, like, tell the guy to fuck off, the adrenaline just fucking came to me, and I just hit the button and mm-hmm. told him to fuck off. And uh, that guy, uh, he, he he went away, and I have not heard from him since. So, you know, scared him. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm terrified, actually. I don't know Put if you know about me. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so, like, you know, he, Padre takes me on, gives me his card, and, like, you know, that's, you know, keeping connections, like, me knowing people that's you know part of the street kid origin just trying to like keep connections and have people in my back pocket at all times um here's where it kind of got very it, like it, it felt very on rails very fast it's like you, mm-hmm. you get to this parking lot and you're trying to find this, this car that i'm trying to steal and you give like the skeleton key for and you know you go in there you open it and you start get it up but then this new guy shows up and he's got me a gunpoint um so this is Jackie Wells, and he's a character that, having watched all of the other origin stories, I did not know that V would could already know Jackie beforehand. I kind of thought that Jackie played like I guess like the Duncan role of what Dragon Age Origins of like well, I mean he kind of does like you know he's like the the through line that gets you from so, Corpo. To my understanding, is the only real one that that happens in. Because in, in Nomad, like, you are meeting Jackie for the first time as well. Mm, okay. But but that that is at least, like, planned. That's not happenstance, I guess. Because that, oh, that was interesting yes, to me. Cause, like, yes, I kind of felt yeah. like I was just, you know, crossing paths with this guy by accident. And whereas the other the other two have, you know, one, you have an established relationship. Two, like, you are establishing a relationship. Where mm-hmm. here in the Street Kid 1, like, you're just kind of, like, happening upon each other. And... He's trying to hit the car, as I'm trying to hit the car, and then the cops show up, and the Arasaka guy who owns it tells uh, tells the cops just basically let us go. Like, he doesn't have time for the the fallout of, like, trying to get us arrested. And, um, but there, there were some things, like, you know, in the actual holdup where the cop is, you know, kind of going back and forth with Jackie, and then he says that he, like, recognizes me, and, um... I decided to call him a chatty pig because, like, as much as I was, like, it felt very out of character for me to uh, try and, like, fuck up some guy in the back of Padre's car. Being, like, a smarmy little shit, that sounded about right. So, uh, but then he, like, kind of starts talking shit about how, like, 
anyone who like leaves Night City will end up back and like you know like trying to leave for Atlanta with a few talks. Like apparently like he knew me by that, and I was just kind of like, you know, like set, that, that that set a tone for for me as well for the cop to be like, oh, you know, you're you're never gonna be anything in the city, and so you know that that'll be again it will be a an overarching storyline, but because the Arasaka guy did not want to like deal with pressing charges, uh, he ends up. The, the cop ends up knocking us both out and mm-hmm. leaves us alone in an alleyway. And that's when Jackie and I like start, start talking and he, we, we, we talked, I talked to him about the, uh, the stuff with Kirk and he's like, he actually reveals like Kirk doesn't actually have any of these connections. And that's just like a, a front that he has. Mm-hmm. And so that's how it kind of like cleanly cuts off, you know, the, uh, the Pepe stuff. And, we had to talking, and I realized that I recognized his name, Wells, from, like, the somebody, Mama Wells, that is, like, you know, well-known in Haywood, you know, the area of Night City that we're in. And, um, we get, we, we kind of, like, sit there long enough and talk to each other, and we're like, what if we just got lunch? You want to go get lunch? And then, you know, what, Jackie's like, I got, I got a good feeling about us. And he, like, he, he sensed the kind of chemistry. And that is the end of the Street Kid one, you know, meeting Jackie Wells by happenstance. I like that one because it's like a very, you know, it's a rosy start. You know, it puts mm-hmm. you all on good terms to begin with. Um, for for yeah. mine, so so I'll say for my original one, I did Nomad. Um, and I can just briefly go over that one. It basically has you as a nomad who are kind of these uh, traveling uh, <laughs> nomadic people uh, who live outside of Night City uh they are a faction you will deal with as you get further into the game no matter what but you can start out there and i did think the nomad origin is interesting in how it ties into nomad quests specifically mm-hmm. that being said it was one that also didn't feel like it came up 90 percent of the time when i was in mm-hmm. night city you know which is probably by design right. but it ends up because yeah. all the nomad stuff is side content ends up feeling not great um, mm-hmm. but you basically get a ticket into night city. You were trying to make it into night city and make your fortune there. Um, and you do it by agreeing to do like some smuggling, you, you, you get something in and in the process you get in, uh, and you, you get partnered up with Jackie. You meet Jackie at the beginning and you go through this whole, uh, car chase sequence, which is not too different from the <laughs> several other ones you do in this game at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But I think the difference, if I remember correctly, is you don't shoot a gun at all. You're just kind of riding the whole time, mm. which is very weird and does feel very theme parky. Um, it's that's about all that's memorable. And, and what I will say about the Nomad one is I think it's cool how you start outside Night City and enter it because uh, mm. it really makes you appreciate the scale of Night City from the beginning. Mm. Uh, the one I did this time was the Corpo route. Uh, and honestly, having now seen in some way all of these, I think thematically I actually like the Corpo route a lot. Mm. Um, it starts out with V puking in a sink so true. <laughs> in, in, in Arasaka. Um, it very much implied that, you know, like V is using a lot of different stimulants and uh, pharmaceuticals and narcotics to keep up with the fast pace because they are... Uh, climbing the corporate ladder of Arasaka, uh, which is a corporation that probably won't come up again in this game. Don't worry. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. um, and so 
from the outset, I definitely wanted to play a cutthroat type character. And so uh, Jackie actually calls you right at the beginning of the origin. And it's established that you and Jackie are kind of old pals uh, that you later learn after you meet up with him in person uh, that uh, you helped each other when you were in a bind. Uh, and so you've kind of just been drinking buddies ever since. Uh, and, and Jackie's just kind of like, Hey, you know, come hang out with me, come get a drink or whatever. And you're like, ah, okay, cool. I just got to go see my boss first. Um, and you do a lot of walking through Arasaka, which is interesting. And you have a lot of implants already, uh, because you are Corpo. And so you have like a stock ticker at the bottom and a newsfeed scrolling across at the top. And a lot of these little things that really do make it feel like, okay, I am kitted out to be the best Corpo mm-hmm. I can be. And I thought that was a neat touch yeah. compared to the other ones. Um, and you end up learning about there was a damaging leak that happened in Frankfurt. Frankfurt is a problem. And uh, it's it's jeopardized a license that you're trying to get with the space agency. And, and Jenkins, your immediate superior and kind of the, the guy whose coattails you are riding up the ladder, um, has takes a very... Let's say takes a hammer to a problem that could have used a chisel. And... Uh, creates even more problems and uh whether by spurring on by you which i did or his own idea he decides that oh the director abernathy is out for me she's got it out for me she just doesn't like the way i get this job done but i get it done and so he recruits you to try and basically off her <laughs> mm. and uh organize a hit job for her uh lately like, like on her uh mm. and and uh it, it, I did think this section was really cool because you get to do all this sort of stuff. Like when I walked out of the office, there was this uh, inferior to me who came up and was like, here are those reports I asked for. I saw they were so late. And I was, I snapped at him. I was like, mm. yeah, you should have gotten these here earlier. Leave them on my desk. And we'll talk later about your job performance. And if you really want to be here at Arasaka and mm. like, yeah, I wanted, I wanted my V to be that character to be like, I am trying to become the 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 baddest bitch at the top of the ladder and, mm. and take no prisoners. Uh, who knows? Maybe a humbling is in store <laughs> for me. Um, but eventually I, I uh, am given a, as part of the deal to organize this this hit that I, another flavor piece that I like is that uh, your your superior Jenkins gives you a wad of cash and they note about how strange that is because everybody kind of uses credit chips and, Mm. and uses technology. And so cash is still the one commodity that I I think they say something about like, uh, you know, there's, there's a transaction, there's a ledger if you are using technology, but Mm -hmm. cash, you just hand it to one other person and it's gone and you never touched it. So, uh, it's, it's a neat little thing and you take off in his uh, special vehicle that is like an autonomous vehicle that flies you across night city and you get this big, you know, almost blade runner style. You're looking at the billboards going by and the neon and uh, you can drink some champagne as you go and you're just living the life, you know, you just got chewed out by your boss and given a real bad task, but you are, you're climbing the ladder Mm. and this is going to be the moment that you seize it. And so you go to see Jackie 
at the bar by landing, I should mention, on a basketball court that is against <laughs> regulation, <laughs> both for basketball and for uh, zoning. But uh, you head into Lizzie's, which is a bar we will also come back to at some point, uh, and uh, talk to Jackie. And Jackie's kind of like, you don't look good. You are really kind of selling your soul out, huh? And, you know, you can buck it or you can just be like, look, this is what I'm in, you know, and that's kind of how I played my character. I was like, okay, it's Jackie. This is a friend. I'm going to be honest with him. You know, this is what I got to do. This is the life I got to lead, you know, all the stuff that I do. I don't have a choice in this matter. And you're kind of also trying to talk Jackie into being the person who's going to be your trigger man, uh, who's going to be the one that ultimately carries out the hit. And he's trying to talk you out of it. He's like, this is only bad for us. And as you're talking, uh, this group comes up to you in suits. Uh, and, and, you know, you're kind of like, hey, who the hell are you? And they're like, we're with Arasaka. Did you, were you given a task by your superior tonight? We need to know everything about it. And you can kind of like, you'll be like, I didn't get your name. You should tell me your name and rank again. And they're like, huh. And one of them just hacks you and steals mm-hmm. like half your bank account on the spot. And, and all your equipment, like all of your implants start shutting down and freezing and malfunctioning. And they're like, you, you've been let go. You like Abernathy has determined that you are being let go. You are uh, no longer part of Arasaka. We are reclaiming uh, all of your special programs and modifications. Like they're being erased from your mental hard drive as, as you were talking to them. Uh, your bank account is being frozen in the corner of your 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 periphery as your body is kind of suddenly having to deal with withdrawal from not having all these like uh, substances that's used to having and stimulants that's used to having in its body and uh, there you give them the chip that your superior had given you uh, about uh, all the information on Abernathy and then they're they're about to be like you know I bet Abernathy would kick our fee up if we brought back a body too and that's when Jackie gets involved is like hey look look at where you are look at the vibe mm. here all right now if you start shooting then other people here might start shooting too and then somebody might wind up dead tonight I don't think any of us wants that outcome. Do you? Mm-hmm. And you can, you can kind of see uh, your character is having like massive withdrawals and mm-hmm. like practically keeled over uh, in their seat, but you can see around the bar, everybody is kind of starting to posture themselves a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, they can sense there's, there's a shifting tone in the place and uh, the, the lead guy of the Arasaka uh, stooges is like, yeah you know we we'll just go get our our fee we already had a good night and you're gonna be uh cleaning up dumpster scum by the morning Mm. (laughs) and uh and and gets out of there uh and then jackie you know comes over to try and comfort you and is like hey you know how you doing and basically v is going through like what are essentially drug withdrawal syndrome uh symptoms that uh, jackie is like my cousin went through that too it's okay you're gonna be all right and V is like, how, what do you mean I'm going to be all right? Like my entire life just disappeared in one moment. And Jackie's like, nah, you just got a new life. Mm. And that's how the montage starts. And I will say, I kind of like it. I kind of like the idea that my V like thinks she's hot shit. thinks she's going to be the next big Arasaka suit and has this moment where like, no, you were just a pawn on the chessboard and you've been mm. taken off and you got away with your life. 
so now like what are you going to do with it and so now the v i'm playing post all of that is very much like still very standoffish and and tough but also like trying to be a better person in the process uh Mm. and i that's that's all internal role playing i i do think there have been dialogue options and systems that have let me kind of lean into some of that a little bit but um it has made me like of all the starts so far i did like the corpo one the most i think Mm. yeah i mean it's like i mean as i was saying earlier i think it's interesting to hear all three of them laid out that way because it's i i think i said even since when origins came out like i feel like the origin story you pick in this game gives you like a very specific foundation to like or a very specific lens to view the rest of the game and i think like you know the success of a lot of its themes is often predicated on i guess how willing you are to, to lean into sort of a sort of a kind of a full circle narrative that's going on but that's you know something that we can explore as we go on and kind of like talk through as decisions come up but um yeah 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 um now we got to talk about what might be one of the most baffling decisions that Mm -hmm. cd Mm -hmm. project made in the development of this video game uh the montage uh so at this point all life paths have synced right we are Mm -hmm. now broadly in a state of v and jackie are teamed up and they're going to start off on a on a shiny new partnership. And we get this really good montage. I mean, it, it's a fun montage. It's a good montage mm. of Jackie and V just getting into all kinds of hijinks. You know, they're they're pulling deals that are increasingly more dangerous. They're chasing down fugitives, but then they're partying at clubs. And you get this um, stuff that you would probably only note as like significant on a second playthrough. So like you meet Misty, who is Jackie's girlfriend for the first time. Uh, you meet Jackie's mom. Uh, you, you meet a bunch of characters in the process and you see all this mm. stuff going on. Uh, I forget if T bug is also shown. In I this don't montage. think I remember seeing her now. Yeah. Um, but like uh, you meet the Ripper dog, Victor Vector, uh, who becomes a whole person. You start out kind of crashing at the same pad, but then you get to get your own pad and mm. it looks real nice. There's like a cool moment where you start out and it's you and Jackie at the same place. But then you get this place and it's V's and it's it's yours. Um, and I got to be honest, the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm just thinking one thing. This would be a really fun video game to play. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's wild because like I. Th- and, you know, there's a lot of speculation, again, like, things that were cut out of this game because of the state of its development cycle. But, like, as a person who likes when games aren't too long, the part of me is like, cool, okay, I didn't, that, that's, you know, 10 to 15 hours of video game I didn't also have to play. But also, like, especially as, like, establishing a relationship between V and Jackie, I think it just uh-huh. feels, like, very, you know, it, it doesn't feel like it's enough. And the wild thing about that feeling is, you know, not to get into too many spoilers, like, the characters that are in this game in the beginning versus the characters that are still around in some capacity by the end is, like, a wild night and day thing to me. Mm-hmm. Especially considering how much, like, emotional weight is put into this relationship and, you know, this sort of, like, foundational uh, place for your character to be in at the beginning. Like, Cyberpunk 2077 is, like, a wildly different game in terms of the people who are in it by the time it's over and 
it's wild because like these characters, you know, like Jackie very specifically is like a character who is like so pivotal to the early parts of this game that it just kind of feels like every moment that you're not spending with him and you're actually engaging in like video game shit, uh, that just feels very pronounced by the time that you go back to this game the second time. Yeah. And I think one of my biggest gripes going into the introduction of this game that I still feel now is that you honestly don't get enough time to just be V. You spend most of this game V in the context of you also have someone else in your head. Uh, And so there doesn't feel there's not a good contrast there. And I do think that there's more stuff to talk about that we'll probably talk about in the heist episode and stuff like that about emotional scenes, maybe not really hitting because you have not had enough time to develop stakes around them Mm -hmm. and to develop a, you know, a feeling of, of how you should feel about this stuff. But even just the fact that characters like Misty and Mama Wells are introduced in a cutscene and not like explicitly pointed out and all like that. a montage cutscene, especially yeah. like where you're, there's no dialogue. You see, you're basically shaking hands with people and yeah, it's, it's then just you immediately cut to the background and... going like, and then like all this stuff happening. And I, I've talked before about how I like it when video games have missions that are just you doing stuff and not necessarily, you know, combat only or, or or they have combat but they use it smart they use it well um i think of like the uh the geth fighter squadron mission in mass effect 3 is like a good example of that where we're going to use combat mechanics but we're going to kind of mess around with it to tell like something different instead mm. um and i think cyberpunk has a real problem in trying to find the quiet moments. And when it does find the quiet moments, I think those are the moments that people really like. And mm. so seeing all of this, I'm like, dang, this would have added a lot. to. Th- I genuinely mm-hmm. think that even if there were only two to three missions here to really establish this, it would have added a lot to the game. And mm. I, I can point at some other missions that they probably could just took right on out (laughs) um we'll get to those but uh it's it is frustrating because i feel like this game's onboarding is really apparent once we get to these six months later and we do like a tutorial mission essentially and now the game game has begun where jackie literally you're on a job and you're, you're rescuing this person who's been uh, abducted by rippers, uh, you know, people who just hack up, they, they kidnap and hack up people and sell their, their implants and, and organs and body parts on, on the black market. Um, they, uh, Jackie is in the car with you as you're about to go up to where you've located the person that you're looking for and hands you a tutorial chip. Mm. It's just, here's the chip for the tutorial. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it's efficient, if nothing I else. Get, I guess. And I do like that there's like a personality type person inside the chip. I thought that was kind of mm. fun. Uh, but also, I didn't play the tutorial this time around because honestly, yeah. I think this game, even with hacking... If you have played any sort of 
open world first person game you know how this game plays you know how to play this game already and i don't think the tutorial even does a good job of notifying you the ways in which this game does something different uh because a lot of them are equipment locked and mm-hmm. you will just yeah. learn those when you get them later so right. uh not a strong first impression let's say yeah, like do you want to talk about like broad first impressions of the gameplay because like it's bad interesting <laughs> yeah like the thing is like it's interesting but i think it gets progressively better but by the time it's gotten better it's kind of too late it's kind of the end of the game at that point yeah because so like you know the, in terms of the actual like mechanics of it as in like the shooting swinging punching swiping it all feels like a bethesda game basically for a lot of the games yes. and yeah. like nothing yeah. has any real weight melee combat especially feels like this very oh it feels very bad you know yeah it, it's again like a I said my notes like the Skyrim style swing until HP is zero, um, and early guns like it. The guns in this game are very interesting to me in that like for a lot of the it, it feels like a, the game has its own like Mass Effect one to two jump, like two thirds mm-hmm. of the way through, because you know a, a lot of the early guns you get it's just a matter of like numbers go up and all these feel the fucking same and that's its own problem, but. Later, you'll get these things called, that are called quote-unquote iconic weapons, and a lot of them are, like, they are made to feel very distinct, and they're kind of tied to quest lines and, you know, having some, like, mechanic to them that kind of makes them feel very significant when you get them. Like, the easiest mm-hmm. example is mm-hmm. Johnny Silverhand's gun, which you get very late, like, in the, in the last act, and it replaces the actual standard melee attack that most things have, with, like, this very quick, like, flamethrower maneuver that has, like, a burning effect. So, like, it has, like, you know very cool animation and also like does damage gradually as well and like has a stun effect and that's that's all very cool um like there's a point in one of the, the quest lines later where carrie gives uh gives you a gun and i ended up using that for the rest of the game because that felt narratively significant to me as well like i'm picking this, this gun and i'm using it very specifically because it means something to me and my character and their place in this world um uh. those those are very cool i i think the the late uh, the late weapons that you get feel like they caught up to what the game needed in the beginning, but it takes a solid like 20 to 30 hours to get there. Yeah, and I'll even say that a lot of the guns that do something interesting also kind of just have trouble feeling like anything more than like, okay, now I've got a gun that actually does something. I don't think there's anything like Borderlands-y here in like truly inventive gun types. And there might be stuff that I never found when I played, but I think for the most part, the gunplay in this game just felt like I was just getting a gun that did bigger numbers and mm-hmm. could do more damage or could, oh, you know, this one's, it's really just better damage and then maybe something like, oh, it's got slightly better recoil control or whatever, but uh, it, it was really just about what weapon type I wanted to use and what ammo I had on hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why I'm interested to do more with the hacking because maybe hacking's got something different there. Uh, you can kind of slot in different chips that let you hack people and, and hit them with stuff like, you know, fry their circuits or turn off their eyeballs or mm. uh, turn, you know, security to your side and all that classic hacking stuff that I think is a lot more Deus Ex style. Because mm. I will say it's funny you mentioned Bethesda because there was at least one part while playing this opening tutorial section that I was like, man, I kind of wish I had vats. <laughs> and mm. that was that was the moment where I was like, oh, oh. um so yeah i don't know i the combat in this game just never felt 
exciting to me mm. it felt like something i had to do but it never mm. felt like something i got excited about doing right uh and i'll also say that like there are options for doing non-lethal takedowns and yeah. i tried to do it a lot when i started out first playing and it never felt like i was rewarded for doing so outside of one right. very specific mission uh so yeah i just kill yeah. everyone I mean, that was, that was the thing is like, I feel like there's kind of like an internalized role playing element to it for me, like here at this place. And we're going to, you know, actually we get talking about what's going on here and think that the game shows you, like, it gives you like a very clear, like signpost to be like, these people suck. You don't, you don't need to feel bad about killing them mm-hmm. where, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel like that's just kind of a, a thing of like, what does it mean to you personally to kill or not kill? And like, I, uh, granted, I think if you're trying to do a pacifist run, in Cyberpunk 2077, you're going to be very disappointed because that is not viable and not possible. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I, you know, for me, it's just like a, a moment of, like, what I feel is right in the moment and how what does it say about me to have done this thing? Because, like, I am broadly, like, you know, I guess, like I said, trying to play a character who is more sympathetic to the state of things and also, but by extension, being sympathetic to the state of things also is why I killed people here, so. Yeah. I, I think what I was looking for is not even just like, Oh, you get Paragon points if you non-lethal and renegade points if you do lethal, but just any level of there being an advantage or disadvantage outside of story specific reasons. Because when I was doing it, the game was even like, ah, do you want to kill him or not? And it felt very like the game was apathetic about my choice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what turned me off of the idea was like, it, they weren't like, Oh, you know, they're, they're bad people but maybe you don't feel that way so it was just literally like i don't know which which animation you want to do (laughs) and uh there's an apathy to it that i i was just like okay why are you being like this if you don't give so much of a shit why'd you give me a choice in the per in the first place you know and later on they they try to use it a little bit differently even while i was leaving uh one of the areas they were like hey there's cyber psychos who had their implants mm. make them go crazy and oh that's a great interpretation right. of mental health yep but, um this person's like oh if you knock them out we can come pick them up and maybe like take them somewhere where they can get some help and uh you know just try not to kill them please and i was like okay mm. that's one situation in which makes a little bit more sense to use that stuff mm. um but yeah in general especially with the way the game intros it to you where they're like this person murders people you just walked by bodies of people they right. murdered you want to kill them <laughs> or you want to not kill them uh anyways we're in an apartment complex we're looking for someone named sandra dorset who uh is as we can best interpret someone of high stature but their tracking went quiet so we have been contracted through uh you know, seedier channels to to go find out uh what's happened to her um we is jackie and v and there's also a person a, a girl in the chair a t-bug uh who we have never met before mm-hmm. <laughs> and we just kind of get introduced to like oh it's t-bug everyone's favorite hacker in the chair <laughs> we all know t oh t-bug you're always Again, so callous yeah. on missions <laughs> Again, like, give me, like, an hour between the origin story and where we're at right now, even. I think T-Bug might be the best example of this game just not giving a shit about some of its characters, because Mm. I think you actually see T-Bug once, 
Mm-hmm. And then they still try to play off a certain scene later. Like it's this big surprising scene. And it's like, no, it just doesn't work mm. that way. It does not hit. Even this first exchange in the elevator was very forced. And I was like, oh, whatever. Let's let's get moving. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I It's worth noting here that hacking is also there's no hacking minigame whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You just kind of look at it and you tell your system that you want to hack it. And it's like, cool, you, you've got the right points and the right chip. You get to hack it. Yep. And that's that. And then I went through and I just like took some people out stealthily and then got bored and shot a bunch of people. I waited for T-Bug to open a window uh, so I could climb through the window to get a flank on somebody. Uh, just very dry mission. Mm. I Maybe it's because I've played it before, but yeah. this mission did nothing for me, to yeah, be honest. I, I didn't get bored to the point of being like, I'm going to go loud because I was like, I'm not spec this way. And I also just don't want to engage in the gunplay if I don't have to. So I did, you know, hack and stealth my way through and... It, at the very least, felt nice that it was, like, viable. So, like, it, it felt like, you know, the game was at least acknowledging multiple playstyles and making that feel, like, you know, it, it, it actually specking into something was worthwhile. Yeah. So, we fight our way to the back, and we find a bathtub with a couple bodies in it. We, we recognize the one as Sandra Dorset. Uh, she does have what we find out as Trauma Team Platinum, which you would know about if you had done the Corpo backstory. But basically... There is subscription healthcare in the future mm. where depending on your level of care, you can get from like, you know, anything from like hospital service, uh, you know, you get into a hospital and get basic healthcare to trauma team platinum, which is they detect that your vitals are low and send a literal drop ship with trained operatives to get your body and extract you from the scene. And so we take out a, uh, virus uh, a bug that's in her head and get her out of the tub and even have a moment where she starts flatlining and we have to give her an air hypo which is essentially adrenaline uh, and, and we take her out onto the terrace and trauma team shows up to, to save her and uh, I do like the trauma team thing specifically because I was like that's really cool uh, the idea that like really like this is this is healthcare to the maximum extent. Like they militarized healthcare mm. in a way, uh, and also it sets up this interesting idea of, oh, there is really good healthcare in the future for those who can afford a subscription to their services, right. <laughs> and then all of the healing and stuff in this game is really just handled through air hypos. So mm. I I almost would have loved a version of this game where you could have different trauma team subscriptions and like if you went down in a fight you could get revived and have the trauma team come in and back you up or but you had to pay like obscene amounts of money Mm. to to maintain that subscription uh anything like Mm. that instead it's just kind of a flavor hit which is what it is you know at this point v is supposed to be you know on the streets just another gun for hire so i get it um Mm. And then we have a car ride back with Jackie. Well, where Jackie, before, before uh, we get back to before we get that, like this was also uh-huh. between this and there's, there's a uh, a woman that we see like basically torn to shreds on the way in. Yeah. Like the ways that this this section introduces how Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven like I guess frames bodies is interesting to me. Like not interesting in a good way, but interesting in terms of like the game is very matter of fact when it comes to like 
gore and violence as far as it comes to showing bodies in that context. And, you know, like, that, that first woman, especially, is, like, they, they go out of their way to show her basically torn apart, but also, like, make sure mm-hmm. that her, her chest is still very much visible. And, like, when you, we find Sandra, she's in, you know, in this ice bath, completely naked, and the, the game is, like, pushy. Like, it, it, it's, it's being pushy in a way of, like, it wants to show that it's not going to shy away from, like, the realities of the situation that it's talking about. But also, like, it doesn't really, <laughs> like, it's only willing to use the, the, the human form often when it's in a violent context rather than anything else. Because, like, you know, okay, we went all, through all that to customize our genitals in the character creator and also, like, when we, you know, take all our clothes off and then put, the, then put photo mode on, we're still in underwear. And... Mm-hmm. The the sex scenes in this game are like relatively spicy, but like it's like doesn't really you know it, it's not again like not as matter of fact with that uh, because it's not nudity in the context of violence and in that way like a lot of the ways that, that Cyberpunk twenty seven seven is willing to show nudity and just like talk about the physical form of people often feels like it's only in violence and often feels like it's for shock value more than anything else. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's a big problem that the game has is that a lot of it feels like it's repelling in excess, not because it's important to say or, like, anything has to say or do. It's just because, like, it wants to be, per- like, pushing a perceived limit of what you expect from, like, you know, a huge AAA video game. And that is a larger conversation that we'll talk about, like, I guess, you know, this, this game is going to get into a lot of stuff about sex work and uh, gets into the weird things that we talked about with, you know, how it perceives people's identities based on their bodies and that was just, like, an interesting note for it to start talking about these things to me because it just kind of feels like it's trying to... Like, all it really does when it's trying to say something is just to simply show it to you and then just kind of be like, man, that's kind of fucked up, isn't it? Look how, look how fucking fucked up it is that all this shit is happening. And I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you on the first body, 100%. Uh, I think by the time you get to Sandra, it's just it felt very matter of fact to me. And that's maybe because we already had the character creation screen where you're like literally toggling what genitals you have and things like that. But oddly enough, I felt (laughs) desensitized to the nudity. Like there was so much else happening in that scene with Sandra uh, that I was like, Oh yeah. I mean, there, there has been a booby on my display for a long time now, but I'm doing like a million other things that are like way more important. But I also, I I agree that I don't think it's trying to say anything profound in that section. I just do that. That whole section is something that makes for a good tutorial. And also I think it was used in one of their trailers at one point. Mm. Um, It makes for good trailer stuff with the trauma team and, and carrying a naked body out onto the terrace and all that. Um, Yeah. I think we'll get more into it as we get further in how it uses nakedness and intimacy and body and things like that uh mm-hmm. i do think of other stuff that has done it a lot better uh like ghost in the shell specifically uh and I'm not looking forward to that stuff but <laughs> we 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 chose this can we can still pull up we can still <laughs> i mean we are we are only you know one uh almost two hours into this, this we can we can stop anytime. You can still call it off. <laughs> um, anyways, we we head downstairs and Jackie's like, "Hey, I need to borrow your car. I gotta take Misty on a date." Which 
at this point you're like who's misty and the game's like i showed you her in a montage and you're like you didn't say shit and uh on the way we get the first of what will be many 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 phone calls in cyberpunk 2077 uh we call wakako okada our fixer who gave us the job and uh says we can pick up the payment whenever but we probably want to go home they're they're closing off the district uh and and jackie's gonna drive us there and we just kind of get into it's a nice little scene i actually didn't dislike this part where you're kind of rolling around with jackie and he's talking about all the legends of of night city and everybody who's made a name for themselves and um adam smasher and and morgan and and all these other characters that are just i say characters but they're they're legends in night city Mm -hmm. and he's like oh maybe we can be like them but he's also like you can tell he's a very sentimental guy uh there's Mm -hmm. a fun part where you stop at a checkpoint and he kind of tries to sweet talk the the cop that's there um and i thought that whole section was was very fun and he's Mm -hmm. like i'm sentimental you know i I care Mm -hmm. Uh, and you also get this scene where you see three guys try to jack a car and then the um, the Night City police, like, basically a tack force, like, drops in and just... There, there's one dude that gets sent flying across mm-hmm. the street by a shot and it's very much like, hey, there's there are forces out there that you cannot contend with. You are not mm-hmm. on that level. And, and even Jackie's like, poor bastards, but, you know, they probably had it coming. Uh, and... You get dropped off you know we say like you know tell misty we said hey and we head up to our apartment and um i like the apartment a lot every time yeah. i see v's apartment I, I i'm like there. damn yeah i i kind of like the whole thing. it's kind of studio it's like a studio apartment basically um mm. but it's, it's got a very nice open floor plan that i'm a big mm-hmm. fan of this is now mm-hmm. you know just an apartment podcast mm-hmm. um i like the kind of like uh recessed uh hangout lounge area it's a really nice mm. touch uh i think the the closet's very nice you know it is very open it is a studio uh but I even like the fact that the bed is just kind of like uh in its own little nook yep. almost it's a very nice setup yep. it's 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 very pleasing especially because the place that we are entering is this like mega block this this giant massive tower it's very uh judge dread where you can tell that there are just pods and pods and pods of all these things. Like these are, these are, uh, accommodations built to house huge numbers of people. And, and you are one of many blocks. You're, you are one of many Legos in this giant tower. Mm. Uh, and so I, I was a little surprised, you know, you go up and it's all very like, Oh, freight elevator graffiti everywhere. You know, you expect to walk in. It's going to be like kind of dingy, not, mm. but it's, it's really nice. Yeah. It's a really nice apartment. That's so maybe implies that v has been doing well for themselves mm-hmm. uh v has mm-hmm. been making some cash or maybe you know they just something something to be said about the shiny interior uh mm-hmm. grungy exterior who's to say mm-hmm. um it's commentary it's commentary yeah. also like there's outfit stuff i didn't find much that i really liked to be honest yeah uh, i think that the female v options are not great so it's um it's interesting because, like, Cyberpunk has, like, a lot of clothes. It's one of the games where, like, I feel like in a game like this, granted, okay, like, it is a first-person game, so, like, what you're wearing is kind of, like, out of sight, out of mind for a lot of it anyway. So, because, you, you, you know, you can switch into 
photo mode and see what you're wearing and you you pause and go into your inventory you see all the stuff anyway um but like i i'm a very like my, my character's appearance is something i'm very like conscious of like anytime i play a game anyway um so even when i'm playing a first person game i still care about what my view looks like and so many like you know stats are tied to what clothes you're wearing which is like no video game should ever do that i'm sorry just like i don't i don't care about getting like you know these you know, really extravagant fucking armor sets or some shit to get the highest sets. I just want my character to look good at all times. So, honestly, like, I don't hate my outfit right now, but it's also, like, uh, impractical? Because I'm literally, I, I, my character's right now wearing a harness and tiger print pants, and that is it. Because that mm -hmm. is gay culture. Mm -hmm. We are mm -hmm. being gay and doing crimes. That is Cyberpunk 2077's actual tagline. And... I kind of dig it. Like, I, I like it, the aesthetic that I'm going for here, but I'm, I am working with the very little of what I've got. And there aren't... It, it's kind of like, I guess, like, the uh, the weapons and stuff. Like, there are a handful of, like, really good pieces and, like, really really good, like, style and outfits that you can do. But, like, getting the, the numbers up with it, it means, like, just, you know, mix and matching things that don't look good together. And I mm -hmm. that's, like, my least favorite approach to... Uh, equipment sets that video games have is when the like what you're wearing is so tied to like you're pro you're progressing in the game that there's no room to like accessorize and like look the way you want so i'm just kind of wearing what i feel like and i'm going to suffer the consequences mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's it's about style mm -hmm. uh so we wake up and jackie's you know giving us crap for sleeping in uh wants to meet up with us He's he's got a he's got something to to show us to tell us about, uh, and he's also got to give us our car back, uh, and also our head's a little bit messed up from that that uh, virus we pulled out of Sandra. So uh, we need to head to our Ripper dock and and get that checked out. Um, and so we I will note here that at this moment and many times between walking out of V's apartment and heading down to the uh, the noodle stand where where jackie is hanging out eating i got so many quests just people mm -hmm. calling v texting v yelling at v hey v come do this hey hey v you want to go a couple rounds in the boxing ring because yeah my full into v is definitely a boxer uh <laughs> it's you, you go to a gun store which i think the gun store was kind of interesting you know it's oh they guns are are literally a storefront inside an apartment building in this mega complex like guns are just a thing here like you know it's commentary and it's called second amendment which it's i actually did find kind of funny but mm. <laughs> uh, i was like yeah there would be like joke. some there would be some gun nut who would be like i'm calling my store the second amendment <laughs> see yeah. good job um and you just get inundated and i didn't pay attention to any of them. And I will say mm. like, this is one of the biggest things that turns me off about cyberpunk every time is not only are there so many side quests that's just throwing them at you constantly. And it's using the worst, most blaring notifications about them to do it. Uh, mm. Thankfully they did eventually patch it to where you can get texts sometimes instead of calls and not always mm. have the, the calls coming at you. But even then it makes it so hard to mm. parse and it's, find the things you're looking for, or even remember what the thing is that you saw. Like you can't just right. at a glance be like, Oh, this is that quest for this person. Or this is that quest I picked up when I right. was here. It's you have to go digging for it every time. And I think it makes 
doing things in Night City, like doing planned things in Night City, a chore. It's it's interesting because like it feels like it it's a a problem emblematic of open world games that is only made worse by the fact that like this is in a setting in which they can deliver things to you into your UI into your eyeballs because in a lot of you know open world games like you stumble upon quests or like you are mm-hmm. you know walking around and you see it on the map and you like go to do it where here it's like I can, like NPCs are like I can call or text B so I can deliver it straight to the UI that the player has to deal with at all times that it's happening everywhere you fucking go and make it almost like diegetic that, that we are able to just deliver content to you at all times so you are never bored and you're constantly having something to do and mm-hmm. in a lot of ways it actually doesn't work in the game's favor in the way because like a lot of the quests that we're gonna have to get into in this in this game they are they are um triggered by time passing but while you're out doing other mm-hmm. shit and you'll get a phone call and that shit sucks because it is I remember the first time I played this, like trying to get like Judy and Carrie's quests to start was a lot of me just like running around Night City until enough time had passed in whatever way the game was measuring it for them to call me. And I don't know, like I we'll see how, you know, this update that lets you get text instead, like if that can kind of like expedite some of these things. But uh yeah, it just feels like constant like sensory overload in the way that it delivers these things to you because it has a mm-hmm. in universe reason to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh just another fan. That was one of the few things I wrote about Cyberpunk for a website on, on US Gamer was like I wish they would just let me turn the phone off. Like put it on silent completely. Mm. I, I don't want to hear it. Um anyways we find Jackie hanging out as stand. He's eating some noodles. Uh I spent that whole time thinking, damn, I wish I lived at a place that had like a kick-ass noodle stand right outside that I could just mm-hmm. walk down to. Damn. Living the life. Uh, <laughs> and our stuff is still all messed up, but Jackie's uh, telling us he's got a job lined up. Dexter Deshaun, the fixer of the underworld, uh, as as Jackie himself characterizes, the black Jesus of the afterlife. Um, a lot of jokes about dexter's weight in particular mm-hmm. which yeah. again this, this game is shitty to everybody so yeah <laughs> hey if you're shitty to everybody no yeah i would say like that that's probably the commentary i think it's like if we're shitty yeah. to everybody yeah it's fine that we're shitty to anybody yeah i was like one they they let one by and i'm like okay they're just trying to set up that jackie is just kind of this way jackie kind of gives shit to everybody but they like keep using that as like a punchline for mm. Dexter Deshaun that I was like, are you like JK Rowling? Like what's going on? Here? Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> uh, you got some origin specific dialogue here. Uh, yeah. Specifically and, involving street kid stuff. Yeah. It was, like, it was an opportunity to like ask about Dex in like a more concrete way. as like an entity who I know, like having been like, you know, mm-hmm. involved in mm-hmm. that city crime and aware of these people. And, you know, you talk about, uh, how he was kind of like out of the crime game for a while after something happened to Pacifica. Um, like Jackie says that he was caught up in some gang war, but managed to survive and go around. And I was watching you play it actually. And like, I guess your character would not know these things, but like, it still feels like you get that information anyway. Yeah. So it, a yeah. lot of that comes down to, it just feels like flavor text of like, you know, mm-hmm. again, like insignificant, but like kind of still significant 
way that they can alter dialogue in a way that shows that your character existed in this world in one way specifically. It's it's DMing in a, a role-playing game, you know, right? There's information you want to get across to a player, and you can just find different ways of delivering it depending on how the player has created their character and, you know, do they roll high, do they roll low, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I, I get my corpo prompt, my one of the, the entire <laughs> episode later on, uh, and I thought that one was kind of, eh, it was whatever. But, um, we, you know, we can either be... Ex- excited or skeptic I, I think we both chose skeptic because like this dude's gonna use us and lose us you know mm. he's, he's this is obviously a bad thing and and jackie tells us that t-bug set it up and you know uh jackie's been working on it but uh dex wants to meet us dex wants to get face to face and so we've got our setup we got to go to the ripper dock and then we got to meet up with dex uh and then we have to drive he made me drive <laughs> jackie made me drive uh i the driving of this game is just bonkers yeah (laughs) it's it's so weird with cars and larger specifically i feel like i feel like the motorcycle handling is fine and that's okay it's not the best i've ever seen it's no sleeping dogs but yeah but comparatively speaking it is like the thing that handles better especially like i pull out to third person perspective with driving and every time I can. Uh, and I just feel like in that way, like I understand my sense of space better, especially when I'm on motorcycles and not having to deal with this thing that is huge. Um, we have to drive a car here. It sucks. It was in walking distance. So I don't know why Jackie made us drive in the first place. Sucks. Fuck you, Jackie. Eat my ass. <laughs> uh, so we head in and we meet Misty, who at this point is the first time we've seen Misty, after knowing who Misty is to Jackie, and even then, it's a very anticlimactic mm. <laughs> hello. Um, and we head downstairs, uh, out out the back and down the stairs to Victor. Uh, I like Victor. Victor's a, a fun character, good voice acting. Mm. Like, just in general, I like the scene. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's the first person who's, I mean, not Jackie and uh, Misty haven't been nice with, but like, he's one of the first characters that just kind of seems to give a shit about you and like mm-hmm. really uh you know and that, that shows up in like a lot of ways like he gives us stuff for free because he's like i i am concerned with you getting through this job alive mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. after you you, know, you you got your score and you got all your money we can talk about you paying me after but right now i'm concerned about giving you the best tech so you will be right on your way and come back to us in any way um and yeah. you know he talks about a lot about how he was you know in kind of like our line of work at some point and you know but then he kind of just kind of got past the uh desire to be somebody in night city and just started caring about the people around him and doing good and since then he started sleeping a lot better mm-hmm. and he's like a he's a really strong through line i think in terms of like a character who is just like kind of like grabbing v by the shoulders and being like why why can't you see what you what you're doing is not going to you know accomplish what you want and that's those are good characters to have as this game is going to escalate as it goes on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I like a lot of the little touches in here. Like it introduces, introduces you to the idea of what a ripper doc does. And this is kind of your mm-hmm. body augment upgrade station, but you also have the cool moment of him plugging in your new optics. And so you see your body mm-hmm. like separate from you. And then you watch, see like picks your eyeball up and puts it into your skull and all that, which is really neat. 
um explains a lot of stuff like why you're able to see your ammo counter and mm. and uh why every gun will have some sort of sights on it despite you know maybe they don't have natural sights on them or anything like that um just a lot of really nice things and also a lot of good flavor text here it just really mm. sets the story up well almost like if they did multiple missions of this building up to this point before mm. we got mm. here we would have really had a sense of who rv was and, and their relationship to everybody else around them mm. but yeah what a concept who's to say <laughs> so uh you know he basically tells us you know i just get out there show the world what you're made of like go mm. go do your thing and love him love him great guy uh, we head out to the front and uh, pet a cat on the way out there. And then uh, Jackie, a hairless fucking creature. Yeah, but it's a nice little cat. It's a good kitty. Um, Jackie's fucking like kind of chilling out, one. vibing out while <laughs> Misty talks about his aura. And so we immediately get a sense of Misty. Mm-hmm. As, you know, she's got tarot and incense and all that. We get kind of a vibe. Uh, mm-hmm. More power to you, Jackie. You know, you do you. (laughs) um, Jackie's like, look, I already set up the meeting with Dex. You go over there. Um, And so we we walk outside to uh, a car waiting for us with Dexter Deshaun in the back. And we have a whole scene with him where he's he opens with, (laughs) you know, stating the thesis, you know, like Mm -hmm. the butler in a bat. He looks into the camera. Yeah, yeah. Like Alfred in a Batman movie, he states the thesis is mm-hmm. like, do you want, do you want to die old uh, and forgotten, or do you want to go out in a blaze of glory? Which feels like a leading question, but <laughs> it's, um, I kind of pose it to him like, hey, you know, nobody really gets a choice in the city, uh, you mm. know, most of the time. Like my V is just trying to get by at this point. You know, mm. I don't think I have aspirations of greatness and I'm honestly very skeptical of the systems because I've seen the systems mm. from the inside, but, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not ideal. I'm just trying to get by. And so mm. the idea of a score that could get us some security, uh, is appealing in that way. Mm. But I think you're a little bit different. Yeah. And this will be like, you know, one of the, the, the themes of the game, like I said, but like, it's kind of a thread that I, I follow through is like, I, my V is very much cares about the idea of like being remembered and like that, like, you know, being mm-hmm. forgotten is like the thing that terrifies him the most. And so, you know, when you're asked your question, like, do you want to go, you know, out in the way of glory or just kind of like wither away and die as he, as Dex, uh, kind of frames it, you know, the, the answer is very obvious to me and gets into a lot of the introspection that I think my character has as the game goes on with various other characters that kind of like ask similar questions about like how V feels about things. And Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. so kind of like setting that on very early. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a nice moment. And, you know, then he gives us a bunch of Intel about what is basically going to be kind of our, our two quests moving forward to, to get us to uh, the next step and which will constitute our next episode of the show. Uh, one of them is that we need some some mill grade tech from uh, the Maelstrom, a gang that stole the tech off of a convoy, uh, and we were going to buy it from them, but the leader was uh, cooed out of his position uh, very unceremoniously, and uh, they, you know, we we have to go make sure that the deal still stands, uh, and then on top of that, there's kind of an extra wrinkle in that the owner of the Miltech uh, 
Meredith Stout is on the hunt for it too, has been asking around about Maelstrom and the hideout and all that. So we have some options there. And I think that's, that's kind of one of the setups that they have where they're trying to say like, look, there are different ways you could approach this mission, Mm -hmm. Uh, different, different options for tackling this. We'll see if that holds throughout the game. (laughs) But um, We also have a, another thing, Evelyn Parker, our, our client who set all this up wants to meet the team in person. Uh, and so we need to go talk to her and get some more info about what's being, you know, how it's all going down and also kind of, you know, take care of her nerves a little bit. You know, she's a little worried about how it's all going down. She wants to meet in person and know mm. who we are. Uh, so we, we set that up. We get an option to kind of tell Jackie, Hey, this is what we want to do first. I, I think I'm doing maelstrom first. I like to get the combat, uh, that stuff out of the way and then go do, the the person to person stuff uh i think you're doing the opposite ken yeah i my 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 feeling was i want to go talk to evelyn and get a sense of like i I would rather talk to the people that i'm working with first and get a sense if i want to pull out of the job before Mm -hmm. i go and put my neck on the line Mm, gotcha and that that's that's the end of our first episode we have recorded a single episode of cyberpunk so there's no going back now we're just stuck here forever locked in um but that's you know that's our start, and I will say we'll run down the the sections that we have real quick, just so the folks at home y'all can get an idea of what our process is going to be like. So this next episode that we're going to do, um, it, which is uh, the Act One side quests, uh, does this include the Maelstrom and and the the Evelyn Parker stuff, or are we saving that for another episode? Uh, I think that will be the next one that follows. Okay, okay. So two episodes from now, we'll get back on the main quest line. In the first episode that's coming up, the next episode, we'll kind of be going over some of the major side quests we can do at this point. There's not too many, so honestly, compared to this episode, it'll probably be a bit lighter, but, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) we're not doing two hours every time. Don't worry, folks. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, after the Act 1 side quest, we'll get into the heist, uh, which is the setup and then the actual heist itself. Uh, then we have an episode called Saving Evelyn, which is all about Evelyn stuff. And then we'll talk about Judy. Uh, that'll be uh, the August 17th episode, which that's already feels like so far away. Uh, so much is going to happen by the time that people hear this episode and also that episode. It's just like, wow. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, Love to record these months in advance. <laughs> right. Uh, then the Voodoo Boys episode uh, will be after that. All of their related side quests. Then on to the Badlands and Pan Am followed by river and the act two side quest then we'll kind of center on the goro and talk about goro's uh story and then we'll head into johnny's past you know who's johnny we'll find out don't worry <laughs> and, and then head off to carry uh at which point we'll do the act three side quest and then close the finale and that finale will be in 2023 <laughs> uh in january of 2023 uh dead space remake will be right around the corner <laughs> uh, assuming it has not been delayed in yeah, the months since this episode was recorded. Yeah. Uh, Who's to say what happens in the future? Yeah. Uh, altogether, it's it's a massive undertaking, but the more I look at this, the more I'm like, yes, this is a large game. This is probably the largest game that we've ever covered. Um, there's a lot mm. to, to look at here. We're bringing on a lot of guests to talk about all of this. Uh, and, and one of the nice parts about doing our, our bi-weekly publish and, and the way that we're recording months in advance 
uh, as we record this means that we have a lot more freedom to get people on because our schedules are much more fluid and able to adapt to their stuff. So I, I think we're going to try and leverage that to really get some interesting, compelling voices on over the course of this season. Uh, but yeah, as always, we are Normandy FM. We are a retrospective podcast, as I explained at the beginning. Uh, you know, we have a Patreon that's kind of a tip jar for us. Uh, go to patreon.com slash normandyfm. Any amount back there will get you into our backer discord where you can hang out with other listeners of the show and, and talk about stuff, talk about any previous games we've covered too. There's usually always chatter in the mass effect channel, especially because uh, that is where our roots are. And also it's, it's mass effect. There's always some weird thing happening with mass effect. <laughs> so uh, that gets you there. The $5 tier gets you these episodes as soon as Ken is done editing them roughly thereabouts. Uh, and at the highest level uh we, we just shout you out because we're appreciative of that amount of support behind us and uh as of the recording of this episode that list is just mercedes cluis meredith micah mante shane erickson and darius pippins thank you all so much for contributing and donating and and keeping us going keeping the lights on around here uh and covering some of our costs like hosting hosting the the files and all that um ken any final thoughts before we we wrap up our first episode and just really get into mm. it? Oh, it's uh, it's interesting. I because I feel like, as I said at the beginning, I feel like Cyberpunk has a lot of solid first impressions in terms of its themes and like the way that it you know shows you this world and stuff. But I also think like the ugliness of how bad this game can get is yet to really show its face, mm -hmm. but, like, I, I know it's coming. And so that's, like, kind of my feeling now. Is that, like, I, I'm, like, I feel it's still a little bit rosy right now as we talk about these things about, like, how V wants to be a Night City legend or does not, and, like, you know, how we're both handling, like, the role-playing of that character right now. And, like, cause that gets mm -hmm. into the shit that I do like. That, that, that's the good shit for me. But then I think about how, at a certain point, we are going to break free of, you know, this more... Uh, this more confined story that it starts to tell at the beginning and get into where it just kind of opens up and it lets you see Night City for all its ugliness. So we'll get to the bad stuff and then maybe in the midst of, you know, waiting our way through that, get back to the good stuff eventually. But uh, it's going to be a, a bumpy ride, this one, I think. You could call it a mixed bag. You could. <laughs> you could call it that if you felt so inclined. Well, it's going to be an interesting ride, and we hope you will all join us for what will be the rest of this year, all on Cyberpunk 2077 here on Normandy. Yeah,